These are the daily Bible readings for December 26th, or day 360. A prayer to implore God's help before any action. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Assist us, O Lord, we beseech thee, with thy gracious inspiration, and further our efforts with thy continual help, that every prayer and work of ours may always begin with thee, and by thee be happily ended. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Second Maccabees chapters 3 and 4. Therefore, when the holy city was inhabited with all peace, and the laws as yet were very well kept because of the godliness of Onias the high priest and the hatred his soul had of evil, it came to pass that even the kings themselves and princes esteemed the place worthy of the highest honor and glorified the temple with very great gifts, so that Seleuchus, king of Asia, allowed out of his revenues all the charges belonging to the ministry of the sacrifices. But one, Simon of the tribe of Benjamin, who was appointed overseer of the temple, strove in opposition to the high priest to bring about some unjust thing in the city, And when he could not overcome Onias, he went to Apollonius, the son of Tharsaeus, who at the time was governor of Cilicia and Phoenicia, and told him that the treasury in Jerusalem was full of immense sums of money, and the common store was infinite, which did not belong to the account of the sacrifices, and that it was possible to bring it into the king's hands. Now, when Apollonius had given the king notice concerning the money that he was told of, he called for Heliodorus, who had charge over his affairs, and sent him with commission to bring him the foresaid money. And Heliodorus forthwith began his journey under a color of visiting the cities of Seleucia and Phoenicia, but indeed to fulfill the king's purpose. And when he was come to Jerusalem and had been courteously received in the city by the high priest, he told him what information had been given concerning the money and declared the cause for which he was come and asked if these things were so indeed. Then the high priest told him that these were sums deposited and provisions for the substance of the widows and the fatherless and that some part of that which wicked Simon had given intelligence of, belonged to Hyrcanus, son of Tobias, a man of great dignity, and that the whole was four hundred talents of silver and two hundred of gold, and that to deceive them who had trusted to the place and the temple, which is honored throughout the whole world, for the reverence and holiness of it, was a thing which could not by any means be... But he, by reason of the orders he had received from the king said that by all means the money must be carried to the king. So on the day he had appointed, Heliodorus entered in to order this matter. But there was no small terror throughout the whole city, and the priests prostrated themselves before the altar in their priests' vestments and called upon him from heaven, who made the law concerning things given to be kept, that he would preserve them safe for them that had deposited them. Now whosoever saw the countenance of the high priest was wounded in heart, for his face and the changing of his color 
declared in the inward sorrow of his mind. For the man was so compassed with sadness and horror of the body, that it was manifest to them that beheld him what sorrow he had in his heart. Others also came, flocking together out of their houses, praying and making public supplication, because the place was like to come into contempt. And the women, girded with haircloth about their breasts, came together in the streets, and the virgins also that were shut up came forth, some to Onias and some to the walls, and others looked out of the windows, and all, holding up their hands towards heaven, made supplication. For the expectation of the mixed multitude and of the high priest who was in agony would have moved anyone to pity. And these indeed called upon Almighty God to preserve the things that had been committed to them, safe and sure for those that had committed them. But Heliodorus executed that which he had resolved on himself, being present in the same place with his guard about the treasury. But the Spirit of the Almighty God gave a great evidence of his presence, so that all that had presumed to obey him, falling down by the power of God, were struck with fainting and dread. For there appeared to them a horse and a terrible rider upon him, adorned with a very rich covering, and he ran fiercely and struck Heliodorus with his forefeet. And he that sat upon him seemed to have armor of gold. Moreover, there appeared two other young men, beautiful and strong, bright and glorious, and in comely apparel, who stood by him on either side and scourged him without ceasing with many stripes. And Heliodorus suddenly fell to the ground, and they took him up and covered with great darkness, and having put him into the lit a litter, they carried him out. So he that came with many servants and all his guard into the aforesaid treasury was carried out, no one being able to help him, the manifest power of God being known. And he indeed by the power of God lay speechless and without all hope of recovery. But they praised the Lord because he had glorified this place and the temple that a little before was full of fear and trouble when the Almighty Lord appeared was filled with joy and gladness. Then some of the friends of Heliodorus forthwith begged of Onias that he would call upon the Most High to grant him his life who was ready to give up the ghost. So the high priest considered that the king might perhaps suspect that some mischief had been done to Heliodorus by the Jews, offered a sacrifice of health for the recovery of the man. And when the high priest was praying, the same young men in the same clothing stood by Heliodorus and said to him, Give thanks to Onias the priest, because for his sake the Lord hath granted thee life. And thou, having been scourged by God, declare unto all men the great works and power of God. And having spoken thus, they appeared no more. So Heliodorus, after he had offered a sacrifice to God, and made great vows to him that had granted him life, and given thanks to Onias, taking his troops with him, returned to the king. And he testified to all men the works of the great God, which he had seen with his own eyes. And when the king asked Heliodorus, who might be a fit man to be sent yet once more to Jerusalem, he said, If thou hast any enemy or traitor to thy kingdom, send him thither, and thou shalt receive him again scourged. If so be he escape, for there is undoubtedly in that place a certain power of God, 
For he that hath his dwelling in the heavens is the visitor and protector of that place, and he striketh and destroyeth them that come to do evil to it. And the things concerning Heliodorus and the keeping of the treasury fell out in this manner. But Simon, of whom we spoke before, who was the betrayer of the money and of his country, spoke ill of Onias, as though he had incited Heliodorus to do these things and had been the promoter of evils, and he presumed to call him a traitor to the kingdom who provided for the city and defended his nation and was zealous for the law of God. But when the enmities proceeded so far that murders also were committed by some of Simon's friends, Onias, considering the danger of this contention and that of Apollonius, who was governor of Celesyria and Phoenicia, was outrageous, which increased the manner, the malice of Simon, went to the king, not to be an accuser of his countrymen, with a view to the common good of all the people, for he saw that, except the king took care, it was impossible that matters should be settled in peace, or that Simon would cease from his folly. But after the death of Seleucus, when Antiochus, who was called the Illustrious, had taken possession of the kingdom, Jason, the brother of Onias, ambitiously sought the high priesthood and went to the king promising him 360 talents of silver and out of other revenues fourscore talents. Besides this, he promised also 150 more if he might have license to set him in a place for exercise and a place for youth and to entitle them that were at Jerusalem, Antiochians which when the king had granted, and he had gotten, the rule into his hands, forthwith he began to bring over his countrymen to the fashion of the heathens, and abolishing these things, which had been decreed of special favor by the kings in behalf of the Jews, by the means of John the father of that Eupolemus, who went ambassador to Rome to make amnity and alliance, he disannulled the lawful ordinances of the citizens and brought in fashions that were perverse. For he had the boldness to set up under the very castle a place of exercise and to put all the choicest youths in brothel houses. Now this was not the beginning but an increase and progress of heathenish and foreign manners. Though the abominable and unheard of wickedness of Jason, that impious wretch, and no priest, insomuch that the priests were not now occupied about the offices of the altar, but despising the temple and neglecting the sacrifices, hastened to be partakers of the games and of the unlawful allowance thereof, and of the exercise of the discus. And setting naught by the honors of their fathers, they esteemed the Grecian glories for the best for the sake of which they incurred a dangerous contention and followed earnestly their ordinances, and in all things they coveted to be like them, who were, the enemy, who were their enemies and murderers. For acting wickedly against the laws of God doth not pass unpunished, but this the time following will declare. Now when the game that was used every fifth year was kept at Tyre, the king being present, 
the wicked Jason, sent from Jerusalem, sinful men, to carry three hundred drachmas of silver for the sacrifice of Hercules, but the bearers thereof desired it might not be bestowed on the sacrifices, because it was not necessary, but might be deputed to, for other charges. So the money was appointed by him that sent it to the sacrifice of Hercules, but because of them that carried it was employed for the making of galleys. Now when Apollonius, the son of Menestheus, was sent into Egypt to treat with the nobles of the king Philometer, and Antiochus understood that he was wholly excluded from the affairs of the kingdom, consulting his own interest, he departed thence and came to Joppa, and from thence to Jerusalem, where he was received in a magnificent manner by his Jason, and the city, and came in with torchlights and with praises, and from thence he returned with his army into Phoenicia. Three years afterwards, Jason sent Menelaus, brother of the aforesaid Simon, to carry money to the king, and to bring answers from him concerning certain necessary affairs. But he being recommended to the king, when he had magnified the appearance of his power, got the high priesthood for himself by offering more than Jason by three hundred talents of silver. So having received the king's mandate, he returned, bringing nothing worthy of the high priesthood, but having the mind of a cruel tyrant and the rage of a savage beast. Then Jason, who had undermined his own brother, being himself undermined, was driven out a fugitive into the country of the Ammonites. So Menelaus got the principality, but as for the money he had promised to the king, he took no care. When Sostratus, the governor of the castle, called for it, for to him appertained the gathering of the taxes, wherefore they were both called before the king. And Menelaus was removed from the priesthood, Lysimachus, his brother, succeeding, and Sostratus was made governor of the Cyprians. When these things were in doing, it fell out that they of Tharsis and Malos raised a sedition because they were given for a gift to Antiochus the king's concubine. The king, therefore, went in all haste to appease them, leaving Andronicus, one of his nobles, for his deputy. Then Menelaus, supposing that he had found a convenient time, having stolen certain vessels of gold out of the temple, gave them to Andronicus and the others he had sold at Tyre and in the neighboring cities, which when Onias understood most certainly, he reproved him, keeping himself in a safe place at Antioch beside Daphne. Whereupon Menelaus, coming to Andronicus, desired him to kill Onias. And he went to Onias and gave him his right hand with an oath. And, though he were suspected by him, persuaded him to come out of the sanctuary and immediately slew him without any regard to justice. For which cause not only the Jews but also the other nations conceived indignation and were much grieved for the unjust murder of so great a man. And when the king was come back, 
from the places of Sicilia, the Jews that were at Antioch and also the Greeks went to him, complaining of the unjust murder of Onias. Antiochus, therefore, was grieved in his mind for Onias, and being moved to pity shed tears, remembering the sobriety and modesty of the deceased. And being inflamed to anger, he commanded Andraniacus to be stripped of all his purple, and to be led about through all the city, and that in the same place wherein he had committed the impiety against Onias, the sacrilegious wretch should be put to death, the Lord repaying him his deserved punishment. Now when many sacrileges had been committed by Lysimachus in the temple, by the council of Menelaus, and the rumor of it had spread abroad, the multitude gathered themselves together against Lysimachus, a great quantity of gold being already carried away. Wherefore the multitude, making an insurrection, and their minds being filled with anger, Lysimachus armed about three thousand men, and began to use violence. One, Tyrannus, being captain, a man far gone both in age and in madness. But when they perceived the attempt of Lysimachus, some caught up stones, some strong clubs, and some threw ashes upon Lysimachus. And many of them were wounded, and some struck down to the ground. But all were put to flight, and as for the sacrilegious fellow himself, they slew him beside the treasury. Now concerning these matters, an accusation was laid against Menelaus, and when the king was come to Tyre, three men were sent from the ancients to plead the cause before him. But Menelaus, being convicted, promised Ptolemy to give him much money to persuade the king to favor him. So Ptolemy went to the king in a certain court, where he was, as it were, to cool himself, and brought him to be of another mind. So Menelaus, who was guilty of all the evil, was acquitted by him of the accusations, and those poor men, who if they had pleaded their cause even before the Scythians should have been judged innocent, were condemned to death. Thus they that prosecuted the cause for the city and for the people, and the sacred vessels, did soon suffer unjust punishment. Wherefore even the tyrant Tyrians, being moved with indignation, were liberal towards their burial. And so, through their covetousness of them that were in power, Menelaus continued, continued in authority, increasing in malice to the betraying of the citizens. Ecclesiasticus chapter 46 Valiant in war was Jesus the son of Nave, who was the successor of Moses among the prophets, who was great according to his name, very great for the saving of the elect of God to overthrow the enemies that rose up against them, that he might get the inheritance for Israel. How great glory did he gain when he lifted up his hands and stretched out swords against the cities, who before him had so resisted, for the Lord himself brought the enemies. Was not the sun stopped in his anger, and one day made as two? He called upon the Most High Sovereign, when the enemies assaulted him on every side, and the great and holy God heard him by hailstones of exceeding great force. He made a violent assault against the nation of his enemies, and in the descent he destroyed the adversaries. 
that the nations might know his power, that it is not easy to fight against God. And he followed the Mighty One. And in the days of Moses he did a work of mercy, he and Caleb the son of Yepone, in standing against the enemy and withholding the people from sins and appeasing the wicked murmuring. And they too being appointed were delivered out of the danger from among the number of 600,000 men on foot to bring them into their inheritance into the land that flowed with milk and honey. And the Lord gave strength also to Caleb and his strength continued even to his old age so that he went up to the high places of the land and his seed obtained it for an inheritance that all the children of Israel might see that it is good to obey the holy God. Then all the judges, every one by name, whose heart had not been corrupted, who turned not away from the Lord, that their memory might be blessed and their bones spring up out of their place, and their name continue forever, the glory of the holy men remaining under their children. Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, the beloved of the Lord his God, established a new government and anointed princes over the people. By the law of the Lord he judged the congregation, and the God of Jacob beheld, and by his fidelity he was proved a prophet. And he was known to be faithful in his words, because he saw the God of light, and called upon the name of the Lord Almighty in fighting against the enemies who beset him on every side. When he offered a lamb without blemish, and the Lord thundered from the heaven, and with a great noise made his voice to be heard. And he crushed the princes of the Tyranians and all the lords of the Philistines. And before the time of the end of his life in the world, he protested before the Lord and his anointed. Money or anything else, even to a shoe, he had not taken of any man, and no man did accuse him. And after this he slept, and he made known to the king and showed him the end of his life. And he lifted up his voice from the earth in prophecy to blot out the wickedness. Of the nation. The Apocalypse of St. John the Apostle, chapter 17. And there came one of the seven angels who had the seven vials and spoke with me, saying, Come, I will show thee the contamination, condemnation of the great harlot, who sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and they who inhabit the earth have made drunk with the wine of her whoredom. And he took me away in spirit to the desert, and I saw a woman sitting upon a scarlet-covered beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed round about with purple and scarlet, and gilt with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of the abomination and filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was a name written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of fornications and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And I wondered when I had seen her with great admiration. And the angel said to me, Why dost thou wonder? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast which carrieth her which hath seven heads and ten horns. The beast which thou sawest was and is not, and shall come up out of the bottomless pit, and go into destruction. 
and the inhabitants on the earth, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, shall wonder, seeing the beast that was and is not. And here is the understanding that hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, upon which the woman sitteth, and they are seven kings. Five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he is come, he must remain a short time. And the beast which was and is not, the same also is the eighth, and is of the seventh, and goeth into destruction. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, who have not yet received a kingdom, but shall receive power as kings, one hour after the beast. These have one design, and their strength and power they shall deliver to the beast. These shall fight with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and elect and faithful. And he said to me, The waters which thou sawest, which the harlot sitteth, are peoples and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest in the beast, these shall hate the harlot, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and shall burn her with fire. For God hath given into their hearts to do that which pleaseth him, that they give their kingdom to the beast, till the words of God be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is the great city, which hath kingdom over the kings of the earth. The Prayer of St. Bede the Venerable After reading the Holy Scriptures Let me not, O Lord, be puffed up with worldly wisdom which passes away, but grant me that love which never abates, that I may not choose to know anything among men but Jesus and him crucified. I beg thee, dear Jesus, that he upon whom thou hast graciously bestowed the sweet savour of the words of thy knowledge may also possess thee, font of all wisdom, and shine for ever before thy countenance. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.